you want. Well, don't like make me look stupid. Oh, I'm going to because that's what I do. (laughs) I'm the John Cena of the podcast game, you know, Mm. because I'm good at everything. You are the. uh, I'm the rock. I'm the breakout star. You are. You are. (laughs) You can be. What up, mi gente? It's Vero Fuerte. Yo, it's Ricardo Americano, aka Mexican Natsu. And we're here to help you navigate the world as two Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, brown people. What are we again? Well, that's what we're here to discover on the In the Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In the Spanglish, Spanglish podcast. podcast. Finally, In Living Spanglish has returned. Can you smell what the Vero Fuerte is cooking? Yes, that was uh, my attempt at a wrestling intro, human beings. Uh, and along with me, I don't know, how do you introduce, like, do wrestlers have, like, wrestling partners when they go into the ring? I, I mean, if you're a tag team, yeah, you have okay, your, par- all right. your partner. My tag team but, wait, wait, but you also sidekick. have But you also have managers, which are like the person that manages the wrestler if they're like a single. Or I mean, you got managers for tag team partners too, but it just depends. So yeah, the, the, the World Tag Team Championship of the World. Pero fuerte. <laughs> and... And Ricardo. Oh, no, you introduced Mexican, yourself. Well, it's supposed to be the answer. Mexican Natsu. Boom. Boom. <sighs> we really need to get our own like audio board thing. No, we don't. You got you got you got five hundred dollars. No, I don't. So oh, yeah, yeah, you already know what it is. Baby, our our baby Mexican Natsu Ricardo Mexicano in the you know live and in person recording it live and direct. This is the basement. We're taking it back to Rap City days. You know what we do. And if you don't get that reference, then you ain't in the know. Uh, and then we got also got. Of Vero Fuerte, Veronica Perez, P Money, V Baby, every whatever else you want to call it. V Money, there you go. No. Yes, <laughs> yes. When's the last time that you played WWE? Do you remember playing that? Yeah, of uh, course. I I, I had a, I um I had a lot of the games uh, for years from uh, PlayStation, PS2, Xbox 360. Played a lot of them. Too. And technically, I didn't technically have it. It was my uncle that had a, a PlayStation Two. And I would always hang around with my uh, boy cousins, and we would uh, sit around all day and play, uh, what's it called? Royal Rumble! That's what it is! When they, like, come in all in one. Yeah, they come and- one by one every two Yes! Minutes. Yes! I love Other than oh, that... Which, which game was it? The... Uh, nah, that's, just a, that's just a match type, but what what game was it? Because it was Who PS2, it was probably... Sh- oh, no. Maybe Here Comes the Pain? You're looking at my face. It's completely blank because I can neither con- confirm or deny that. Okay. WWE and Nacho Libre. Those were my, that's like my extensive knowledge when it comes to wrestling. So, all right. Well, hi, hello. Uh, we are back with another episode of In Living Spanglish. And happy, happy birthday to Maria Felix, singer, actor, model, and along with Joan Sebastian, actor, singer, songwriter. He's from, uh, I think he's orig- originally from uh, Guerrero. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Maria Felix is originally from Sonora. And uh, rest, in peace, rest in peace to them. Maria Felix, I think she died back in 2002. And John Sebastian passed away in 2015. Golden age of Mexico. You brought this up, this topic that we're about to get into right now to me a couple of minutes ago. And it took me a little bit to process this to even know whether or not I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. So I begrudgingly said yes. Lay it on me, Mexicano. I'm always like Googling. Like, you know, what is it, what is a Latino, what is a Hispanic, you know, because these are just 
the, these terms don't necessarily reflect like what you are like ethnically. They don't reflect a certain race. So I'm always like just trying to, you know, just trying to learn upon like, you know, who I am ultimately and just seeing like different points of view. And then I just start diving a little bit deeper. Like, what do people think? hispanics look like you know i start putting those little search terms what do, what do literally people think? your search history would frighten the hell out of me it really would well based on that no just in general just knowing you as a human being but yes i digress uh, i mean i like i like how i have that intimidation about me it's actually, mm-hmm. actually pretty it makes me feel good uh-huh. <laughs> you know and i start deep, diving a little bit deeper like so uh, a layer beyond the what do people think hispanics look like what what do people think mexican girls girls look like and my search results led me to a 4chan um, post of... Uh, Which, if people who don't know what 4chan is... 4chan is, of course, if pe- for people who don't know, it's very notorious for... They have a reputation for just housing a lot of, like, vile stuff. So, when I typed in, Mex- you know, what do people think Mexican girls look like? I came across this one of just a, you know, normal Mexican girl. And then, if you go through the comments, it quickly turns into... Mexican girls don't look like this. Mexican girls are actually, you know, fat, um, ugly, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of don't want to repeat some of the other stuff that you that you see on here, but it 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 takes a turn for the worse. And then they, you know people start posting, you know, pictures of what they think Mexican girls can look should be looking like. And you know, and I'm and I'm just using Mexican and obviously the threat is about Mexican girls, but that's almost like a placeholder for like the bigger problem that I think most people who don't know anything about Hispanics, Latinx tend to pigeonhole us in uh, especially the woman and like just put this blanket appearance on them that no this is not how they can't look like that because they're latina they, they obviously can't be that hot you know which is insulting on so many levels some people have such a a distorted and narrow view of specifically latinas should look like and it's a very i don't know it's a very ill it sort of thing when I when when you go through a thread like this. Uh, what are your opinions on it, Vettel? First off, it should be known that this picture that started this whole thread to begin with, uh, this girl that has just like her hand resting on her chin, these men, if you can call them that, started commenting uh, uh, on this border or whatever, is because she has very Eurocentric features. She's very light-skinned. She, uh, let's see, yeah, she's very light-skinned, uh, looks like very petite and slender in size, uh, big eyes, etc., etc., all of that. I, like I said, I just saw, you just showed me this literally maybe 20 minutes ago. And so I'm still scrolling through some of these comments here. And I'd like to, again, uh, I'm the kind of human being that likes to believe in the best in people. Uh, And obviously, like, I know, like, uh, dark sides of the internet and, like, trash like this actually exists. It's just something different when you actually see it, you know. And for very obvious reasons, like, this hits me on a a personal level that is both hilarious and I don't know if it's infuriating because here let me show you one of the ones that uh, are underneath this entire thread see uh, I don't understand how come all the Central American women that I see in the US that live here are all middle-aged short and fat you'd think the better looking ones would want to immigrate and then they they were a bunch of them end up replying with what they believe accurate 
depictions of a Mex of a Mexican woman looks like. It's fascinating because these these ignorance whatever the heck they want to call themselves is unfortunately a very sad it mirrors a reflection of what a lot of us in Latin America tend to believe as far as colorism and different things like that goes that white is right bright is right and that like Eurocentric standards of beauty are more attractive typically than you know us rounder browner fellow human beings and it's just it, it, to be honest with you i don't know how to fucking respond i mean it's just straight up ignorance it's straight up ignorance and it's just it's just funny i just don't understand how some people can think that their particular one race can come in all sorts of different shades and sizes and colors and obviously not all white people are blonde haired and blue eyed some people are brunette some people are green eyed all of this that and the other so why in the hell would they be taken aback that there's diversity within how us latinos look as well i think one of the craziest one and this comment is not even like that like vulgar but like mm-hmm. uh the pic they posted a picture right and the picture of this uh you know a fairly uh, attractive i'm assuming hispanic girl just based on the thread of course and they they left the uh the comment saying i like light-skinned girls too but i like them to have visibly uh, amerindian features what the heck is that i don't understand what that means amerindian is like mixture of like between white and like native american so it's like i mean which when you put it like that when i really think about it, i'm like yeah that's a mesito like that is uh somebody from an indigenous person from mexico but he, but they're stating that they want somebody. They like these people visibly. Uh, they like their girls light skinned. Who the fuck cares how they like their girls? Like that's the big question. It's like who the fuck cares? We're not like some special fucking order in IHOP or something like that. I don't care if you like your eggs scrambled or over easy or we're not. I just don't fucking know. I wish that I could go off on this, like, super eloquent standard about how all of these men are pieces of shit. And, like, I couldn't give a damn what they like and what they don't like. But I'm honestly at a loss for words, you know. There's so so little that, that we can fully consider ours. Not just as women, but just, like, women of minority. And so when you see, like, witness a group of men, like, sitting around and, like, you know, just picking apart another human being and just shouting out like what their preferences are in such a raw animalistic way it's like i don't know if anybody will ever i don't know if white men will ever fully realize how dehumanizing they'll never wrap their mind around feeling like less of a person because of that bullshit Mm -hmm. anyway and it, and it's also very interesting to bring up that within the same thread they start bringing up um, how and I and then you can quickly qu- quickly tell that this is mainly um, a lot of white men because yeah. they, they 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 quickly turn the conversation into uh, I hate that they always end up with short uh, brown Mexican men yeah and like how like we re- because they want their exotic Latina by their arm you yeah. know so long as she's short and tight yeah and, they, and only round in the right places mind you right and they can't stand the fact that 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 mexican man who to them is like ugly and short is ending up with the light skin beauty uh latina that they 
have uh, dreamed about or, or, or has sought after. Have, no, have fetishized, have fetishized about. about. That's what, that's, that is precisely why there is like this tick inside of my brain that makes it so hard for me to date white men. And I don't mean to group everyone in one particular, because obviously like not every single person is the same. And if I were to say that, then, you know, I would be not necessarily no better than them, but I would be abiding by their logic, which is something that I don't want to do. Not dating white men is a choice that I make consciously because I don't want to entangle myself in the political side of dating. You know, like whether people want to think about it or not, like sometimes there is a very political side to dating, like depending on like culturally who you like end up falling in love with. Like love is love is love is love, right? So whoever you fall in love with is one thing. But unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of those things that people who, if you don't take time things uh, time out to discuss, you know, not just family dynamics, but also what they believe, like, at the root of their being, that shit is going to, like, bubble up and come up and spill over, you know, years down the road. And I'm just not fucking with that with a white man. I'm just not. But you got to be careful with that because it's not just white men. You know, you have to really look mm-hmm. at black men, Asian men. Oh, yeah, Turkey, yeah, yeah. Turkish men. Like that's they, they, that's they, something, like, Latinas have been fetishized saying, since, all, like, the very beginning of time. Yeah, but I said, they all fetishize. All of them do, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just exclusively white men. I mean, white men are maybe more of the perpetrators at the end of the day, but it's it's across the board. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've conversated with, with men of many races and have them, you know, ask me questions about... There are two visions of a, uh, of a Latin woman that men that non latino men think of when they think of Latin, like latin women they are either thinking of you know uh raven hair with a perfectly you know tipped eyeliner and like an hourglass body figure you know stained red lips etc cetera, etc cetera. or they're thinking you know of like like a more portly dowdy you know um a uh, figure, you know, with her hair tied in the back in the, uh, like in the back of the, um, in, in a bun with an apron and a flip flop stuck in the kitchen all day. Like there's no in between, you know, and either one's hot and one's not. But the thing is, is that there's so many variances and like, also who the fuck cares? I'm not going to sit here and explain to you every single different type of body type that a Latina or that a Mexican woman has because that's not my job. And also, like, it's not our job to fucking care to appease you. And that's the whole point. But you can... Fuck you, 4chan. And, like, fuck you, this fucking thread. Like, you can put us in a box... You can make up this box that, like of what your perception is of what we are and what we're not but it doesn't matter because we would never fucking go within like a foot of you anyway so what does it matter this question from 2016 well yeah that's that's uh that explains a lot actually like you don't know like maybe these guys like Turned a new leaf, and like five years from now, they're don't like him, the wokest of the woke. Don't give him that benefit of the doubt. You no, don't no, know. No, you don't know. No. See, like, this is stop like for the other the, side try, of me. Stop this trying is, to see the best in humans This sometimes. is, see, sometimes, I can be so pissed off one second. Exactly. And like, you don't know. Like, I'm like, people, no. I'm not going to let you, I'm not gonna let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. No, no, no some, it's still shitty. It's some, still fucked up. It's still fucked up. Some people are just messed up, and just leave it at that. Because, yeah, they could have changed now, but the action they did then was messed up. It is So, I'm like, so yeah, I'm like. 
Just just let it be at that. Don't try to justify in their head that they may have turned to you. Forget all that. You don't know that. Just, oh my god. But no, it really it really is disgusting because you know what? Like when I read this shit, I'm not just I'm not just taking it personally for me. I'm taking it personally like I have little sisters that will grow into women one day. You know? And I have people in my family, I have people close to me that, you know, like we already have issues we already have issues with instilling good body images to the little girls around us, you know, and trying to make them prideful in their culture and in who they are, but also like who they're growing to be as they go through puberty and all of this, that, and the other and shit like this, expectations like this, that society and like these pathetic excuses of men like put on them, that does not help. And I'll be damned if like any little girl that's close to me that happens to be Latina or any other sort of minority like grows to have a complex because of what these motherfuckers think. And that's my take on it. So. All right. So next we have Mm -hmm. a little bit of a, pop culture uh segment things that are going around you know whether it be on the internet tv wise a little news coming here and there uh first we have the announcement that uh kanye omari west you know mr only we've been one, waiting for this moment folks mr only one what feels like a lifetime um the man himself has uh well i don't know if he made the announcement or it was just maybe maybe a publicist but the announcement came out that netflix has purchased the rights to the kanye west documentary Mm -hmm. i believe it's supposed to come out possibly this year yeah it's they said okay so uh, for 30 million dollars by the way netflix purchased for 30 million smackaroonies well, the thing is, is that I think that Netflix actually came back and said that they didn't confirm that it was exactly $30 million. But all we know is that, of course, it was a lot of money. Yes, it is set to release this year. Um, and basically, the majority of what we know about it is that it's going to involve most of, if not all of the footage that was used in these last two years of, you know, home videos and things like that. Of course, it'll include... Um, you know, clips from his uh, 2020 campaign and, you know, um, just topics of, you know, his mom, Donda West, and all of that. I am, I think it's too early for me to get excited because, you know, to the universe's point, Kanye has a horrible habit of saying that something is going to happen a certain time and then he pulls the plug, uh, he pulls out the rug from under you. That's not the universe. That's just Kanye himself saying that. It's okay. You yes, to, to all right. Forget the universe. That's just him himself. Okay, Kanye can be a little flaky. Okay, my boy can be a little flaky for sure. Uh, but I have I have faith that this is going to, uh, that this is hopefully going to come out sooner rather than later. How did you feel when that first came out, Decaville of the News? Uh... I felt excited, uh, which is very rare for me because you don't feel excited about anything. That's true. But You're usually deadpan about most shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm deadpan about everything. I could win a million dollars and I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Throw it yeah. in the bank. Yeah. You could have a macaroni and cheese stuffed waffle. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, this is good, man. I I, I ate today. I feel good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm very excited. Just be- And now that you brought that up, I'm even now, I'm a, a little more or less excited because you said you brought up it's going to be more contemporary, more recent stuff. Because what I'm looking for, I'm looking for the... Uh, like the old... I'm looking for the nitty-gritty. I'm looking for like... Like through the wire time. I'm looking for... Like, even like a little bit before that, I'm looking for like mm-hmm. open mic night, 1998 Kanye. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, with no ID, you know, in the basement of Chicago, you know, trying to get his 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 songs heard yeah, by that's by right. Beanie Siegel. Like, that's right. I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to hear that. I beat today for three summers. That's the, well, that's way after, but like, yeah. but that's dark fantasy. I mean, I'm trying to see dark fantasy sessions. I'm trying to see 808 sessions. I'm trying to see late registration. Sessions. I'm trying to see all the studio sessions because for people who don't know, Kanye has recorded majority of his studio sessions, probably other other material since his career started mm-hmm. was college was college dropout up until now he records everything um and and good he and, knew from the start he knew that something was gonna happen i mean he knew that and 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 it's kind of common for most high public and I, and I guess if you have the money to film most most of your life you know most of them don't ever put it out but it is very well known that most celebrities are recording yeah but even if life he constantly if, yeah but if he would I know that, but if he was he recording even back in like the mixtape sessions, he told us so like that is super super. I think he was because there are there are clips out there that float mm-hmm. around of like him uh, pre college dropout uh, radio uh, interviews, radio freestyles, open mic nights. Uh, that one famous, uh, not famous, but that one infamous interview where he's like uh making fun of that girl while she like, inter- like every time she turned around he like puts up like the the bunny ears yeah, or he's yeah, like yeah. he's like he's like <laughs> like, like like he's like sticking his tongue out at, at her um and that was like 90 no that wasn't 90 that was like 2001 or 2002 i think um so yeah i would say like he's had people either either like been very open about being out there and like getting those interviews and being on those radio shows or him him himself recording you know wh- whether it be with his team uh, capturing him at, at any given moment, so he, like I said, his, his that 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 video vault, whatever he has, you know, with stored, is massive. Well, I hope that he gives it to us. Uh, that get, he gives it all to us, and you know, I mean, I'm usually not disappointed with a lot that. I mean, I don't know. We're not going to talk about like this last album, but any whoosies. Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited, and uh, we'll see what comes of it. Uh. The other thing that we, speaking of Kanye, um, one of his protégés, I guess you would call him a protégé, was on SNL. Somewhat. Somewhat. Was on SNL this week. So uh, Kid Cudi um, uh, performed this week on SNL. He performed uh, a couple of different songs, but the one that really kind of took the internet by storm was uh, Sad People. Uh, mostly because it was uh, he came out in a floral dress as a tribute to Kurt Cobain, um, namely because the night that they recorded SNL was April fifth, and that was the anniversary of Kurt Cobain's suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I kind of I, I was already thinking about the date mm-hmm. when it uh, because I didn't really know who was performing, but I knew that day that that was the day that Kurt had uh, committed suicide. And then I heard about, then I saw the the videos coming out about him in an address, and I'm like, oh, I think I know what he's doing because last performance he did, he he was actually wearing the uh, kind of like a ver- his version of like the uh, this uh, sweater, like this long sweater and like this green T-shirt that actually Kurt wore famously during the Unplug mm-hmm. sessions, and he was kind of paying homage to that. So I and I and Kurt was very well known in the early days of Nirvana to be wearing dresses, not even in the early days, like he did it pretty constantly throughout his career. He wore dresses on a lot of his live performances. Yeah. And uh, so when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I can see it. This is his his, his uh, other way of, of paying homage to Kurt, mm-hmm. which uh, which I love. You know, I, I, I'm a uh, I don't really talk about rock that much, but rock and metal and punk is a very um big influence in my life, just as much as uh, hip hop is. And Nirvana was definitely one of those bands where, when I discovered it, really showed me the uh, the abrasiveness, but also the 
the the overall vulnerability that music can have mm. and it really showed me that you can be this so-called genius but also not want it at all and that's usually what what kurt struggle with uh I, I wouldn't say i don't know if me myself i would call kurt a genius i think he's definitely influential and really struggled with a lot and i think just putting that kind of pressure and limelight on him only made it worse in the end obviously uh with you know how his life turned out but it kind of showed me that some people are you never know what you're capable of and and the heights that you can reach even if you don't ever seek it you know and i think uh i think cuddy in a lot in a lot of ways is also that because he he's he's stated before how he never really was that type of person who really sought fame and really did it to help others through the, through his music and uh, and you can clearly see that that I can see why he admired Kurt so much because Kurt really embodied that. He feels like that's like a kin spirit. Right, right. You you can see that Kurt and him kind of embody that 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 um that emotion that this music mm-hmm. is for others more than it is for me. Ultimately, it's coming from me and it means that. But ultimately, I wanted to touch other people who may be feeling like how I do. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's very dope. Mm-hmm. What we got next? Well, it's on you. Is it? What yes. do we got? Let me see. We got. Oh yes. Okay. So uh, another monumental moment happened uh, this past week. It happened on a Friday, which was April ninth. April ninth. Um, for the past couple of days, we've been hearing rumors uh, about touch and, go. touch and go here and there, but it's been confirmed that on Friday night. Uh, actually, I don't think it was, it was Friday night. It was actually Friday morning, I believe, that uh, that DMX had uh, passed away uh, due to a uh, suffering a stroke, which yeah, I think I've been on life support for a, a week at that point. And uh, I, I believe the family had finally decided to, um, to pull the plug and finally uh, lay... Lay the uh, lay him to rest. Uh, Earl Simmons, for for people who don't know his actual real name. Um, it was it was something that I think a lot of people kind of knew. By the time it kind of got to that that very end of the week, I think a lot of people were feeling that that dread or that inevitable inevitableness mm-hmm. of something like that this. They could feel it that it was coming. That it, that yeah that was that was really here in that. Hearing the news wasn't, it was obviously going to be a shock, but I think it was one of those things where you really don't know how to react once it actually became real. At least that's how I felt. Like, I, you heard it and you're like, this can't, like, you know, this man was ready to release another album. You know, he was really, he was really preparing for like another, a relaunch of his career. And to hear, and like, just to know his life and like the, the substance abuse that he had you know yeah because gone it, through. Was, it was an ongoing issue with him throughout his life mm-hmm. yeah very, and very early on too uh, i remember one of my first exposure to him of watching a uh a behind the music documentary uh back in the day on uh on vh1 and like really hearing like you know what he went through as a kid and just you know how it became you know this you know this megastar with the rough riders and all of them and you know having two two albums released in the same year and both going number one you know, you know it's dark and, he- and and dark and hell is hot, and flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, are you know still some of the the best like you know late '90s hip hop albums ever, you know in my opinion, 
and he was a strong voice for for late nineties hip hop in general. You oh. know, you can't you can't like go through and I know this is gonna sound really cheesy, but you can't go through a nineties mixtape or a nineties playlist, uh, should I say, uh, on your phone and then not pull up a DMX song or yeah. not pull up a DMX feature. And it's insane just like the um how quick the rise was. Mm-hmm. Like he, he out the gate. Yeah. Like it was so many, it was like hit after hit. And and I and I think that's also the sad, sad thing about it is that he was so like because you gotta remember DMX at that time. I don't know if people know he was po- being positioned as like the next one because you gotta remember this is like right after the Pac Pac died in '96. Everybody was coming for that crown. Nas was coming. Jay was coming. And then DMX comes out of comes out of nowhere. People did not expect him. And then boom, back to back number ones in the same year, killing it. You know, like making a statement. And people were like, yeah, he's the one. Like he's gonna be the next one, and like you know, and then you know he has his uh his his um uh, his run from like you know I would say from '98 to 2003, so like a good like five year run. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though that that five years of of a run can seem very um has a good reputation and it seems like a lot of success was made and it was, I just feel like it was way too short, mm-hmm. and I feel like it kind of like. But a lot of that, I mean, to be fair, and I know that you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, and I'm not, I promise you, I'm not, is uh, some of that was self-imposed, you know, because he did go through a lot of trouble when it comes to, you know, certain types of violence and things like that. And of course, he did have substance abuse issues. So, you know, there was a lot of demons that he had to conquer. Yeah. And, and he openly talked about that in music. You know, mm-hmm. of course, the whole people who know DMX, you know, the, the character of Damien. Mm-hmm. You know, which was the alter ego that he always played, like as like this devil figure that would uh take over his uh his body pretty much his soul, and you know you know it's been well documented that that DMX has many issues with his uh baby mamas, um some things that are I really rather not speak on. Well, right now. I think that to be fair, I think like I, for people who want to research it. I think it's fine. You know, you can go ahead and read up on him. Like, like I said, DMX is not an angel by any means. No, he's not. I mean, and none of us are. Um, I mean, the memory of him is the memory of him. Um, he was a remarkable artist. Not that that excuses, but we're only here to talk about one particular thing in this: the passing of this human being. Yeah. That, um, I'm uh. Like that very... being said, yes, he did have issues with domestic violence. He did have issues with drug abuse, all of this, that, yeah. and the other. But, you know, uh, in, in discussing his legacy, you know, we have to discuss him entirely, who he is as a person, and, you know, the influence that he left behind. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, I'm not here to talk about his legacy. You know, I'm here to just kind of give you my thoughts on him. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do your people who, who care for DMX or maybe not know too much about him can do your own, you know, independent research about him and form your own opinions you know i'm not here to influence you at the end of the day it's so stupid when you say that kind of shit because we have a fucking podcast it, it is like part of our job to at least give people like what we know well yeah yeah i'm but like I said, i'm not here to talk about everything overall yes, like yes, i, I yes. can just like i said i'm just speaking on the passing i know we're only like an hour-long podcast yeah exactly that's what like, we're saying. <laughs> like, like like ultimately if you take what i say uh-huh. and, and and you hold on to it that's fine but ultimately i'm not here to form your opinion i think you should form your own opinion when it comes to certain people, just do your own research and just, you know, just like I said, just form your own opinion on it. But also know that everyone's words carries weight, including you, yours or Ricardo. Yeah, Whether they could. you want it to or not. Yeah, they could. Of course. They, they have that they, the possibility to carry weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I think the, the best part of the DMX legacy mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. At least to me, it's just knowing how much he tried in the very end. Yeah, and you can that's true. You, you can see the uh, when it comes to like you know his spirituality and really embracing God again, and just him making the attempt to you know get right with his kids and with himself ultimately, you know, to like you know stop the the abusive cycle that he had created for so many years, and just get right ultimately with himself. And like like I said, he was ready to put out new music. Like he was he was focused for the you know people were saying that he's been fo- he just the, fo- the most focused they've seen him in years. And for it to end like this, even though it's extremely sad, I don't think there could be a better way to go out than seeing the effort that he put in prior to the ultimate tragedy. Tragedy, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and at the end of the day, what's the point of being a human being if you don't? We don't get to at least try to redeem ourselves from our mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. And like, that's a huge thing. Um, but yeah. Um, Rest in peace, uh, DMX, you know, uh, love and blessings to his family. I know that they're probably going through a hard time right now. Him and all 15 of his children, you know, that he left behind. So, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace to, to Dark Man X, you know, big dog, you know, grand champ, all that, you know, you'll be missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up, what we have on another note is what the hell a Twitter? So take it away, Ricardo. Yeah, WTH Twitter. You already know what it is. Back in effect. We're really out here. You know, best intros in the game, by the way. Done by your boy. And it kind of ties into DMX again, you know, just to kind of continue on the uh, the theme. Uh, but it's it's tied into to what the hell Twitter because there was a lot of misinformation and a lot of crap put out there about his death. Mm-hmm. That really robbed, uh, rubbed me and a lot of people the wrong way, you know. What do you mean? Well, there was uh specifically oh yeah, Ugh. um, people who apparently were close to DMX putting out the statement that hey he is dead, how, uh, how, yeah, yeah, that he's dead, that he's gone, and obviously with these people being close to him, you want to take their word as the truth, right? Because you know they obviously are friends or they're saying they're friends of DMX. And they're putting out this information very prematurely, and you know how fast they, they basically inter- called it before they before anyone had any actual evidence. Any and then confirmation? The internet ran with it. Any confirmation? Exactly. Yeah. And you know how fast the internet moves. Immediately started making the rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know you see it trending on Twitter. You know, rest in peace, DMX. Look, I'm and I'm guilty too. I started putting up, you know, rest in peace, you know, X. On Facebook, on, yeah. on, on Twitter. On our In Living Spanglish I did, I did. And no less. I did, but I had to take it down. I apologize. Like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, you know, that was wrong on my part. But yeah. um, it was just one of those moments where it's like you couldn't just wait maybe an hour or two to, like, really figure out what was going on instead of going to, you know, social media with it. I told you the minute that uh, the minute that this happened, how I felt about it. If these people were really as close to him as they claimed to have been, in order to have any credibility as to whether or not the man lived or died, they wouldn't have gone to the internet first without getting confirmation. And not just, and it's not even a matter of getting confirmation as to whether or not the man had actually passed away. It's after someone supposedly close to you passes away. First thing that I'm going to do is not fucking tweet about it. I'm going to call his mom. I'm going to call his kids. I'm going to see if, you know, they're okay. If there's anything that I need to do, if there's anywhere that I need to fly out, you know, all of this, that, and the other before I even think about taking it to the internet with it. So, I mean, that 
part is obvious because whoever leaked out this false information, I don't care who they are, they obviously are not as close to the human being that passed away as, you know, they would like us to believe. I think the ultimate lesson from this is don't be so quick to... Get the clout. Not not so much the clout, because I, I don't think this person, and I know who the person is, I don't want to say their name, but like... Why? They can find it on Twitter? Why they can, are you so they, weird? They can. They, they can find it on Twitter. But like, ult- ultimately, it was Lunel, for people who don't know. And people don't even know. Most, most people, I guarantee you, 99% of people who listen don't even know who Lunel is. It doesn't matter. She's a comedian. She's a, she's, a, she's a comedian. Mm-hmm. All right? It, and it was her. And she she's the one that, that put it out there. Mm-hmm. And Lunel's very well respected when it comes to like comedy and like hip-hop and a lot of other um, um, sections of, 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 of culture and all that. So I can see why people took her word. Like, like I get why. I don't think she's ultimately a, a terrible person for this. I think she just made a mistake at the end of the day. And she didn't think enough of the family and of X himself to like really confirm that, hey, this is true, instead of going off of whatever information she heard it from. It was a very emotional reaction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I know she was very um, close to X. So, yeah, maybe it was one of those sporadic things that, you know, you didn't know what to do. Maybe you reacted and, 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 and obviously you didn't react in the best in the best way forward maybe and ultimately maybe i can't blame you for that because you don't know how people are going to react to news like that some people may just hold it in and you know and know not know what to do some people are very quick to just you know to what to go out and tweet it to go out and put it on facebook it'd be one thing it'd be one thing if your knee-jerk reaction was to overreact emotionally but to overreact emotionally to the person you know that you know, you're in the same house with or that you call someone up and then you cry on the phone. You don't go out and you tweet it to millions and millions and millions of people. Like, it just... I don't understand people's, like, knee-jerk need to... That That's just something you don't fuck with. You don't fuck with life and death when it comes to social media. You just don't. And to think that that was... That she was in such an emotional state that... That was her first instinct to do that. I'm sorry. That's that's there's just uh there's just some instability in that. I just don't agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I disagree with it, but it's more common than you think. You know, the, uh, there's a lot of people who first reaction, you know, whether somebody dies of gun violence, go to social. Yeah, so it's very it's very more common than you think. You know, whether it be from gun violence, whether I it be go from- to social to confirm things, which is precisely why I would never go out of my way to say something unless like I read through several different sources that you know what came out was true right and this is not just celebrities I'm, I'm talking about like just everyday people something exactly. happens in their life they're, they're, I've seen it happen they're very they're very quick to go hey this person just was shot on the street hey my, my uncle just passed away from you know whatever it may be like it happens very 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 close and you know like I said ultimately I don't know if, if I can even be mad at that person because they chose to react that way. I think it's very careless, but I can because it is careless. It's very insensitive. You know, think about all the embarrassment that they that she put that family through. You know, all of the replies and all of the all of the at tweets that they had to go through in that moment when they didn't know whether or not their son or their or their father were gonna live it or live or die. They had to confirm whether or not he was still alive to all of these people that suddenly are tweeting at them and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. There were repercussions to her actions. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, the family didn't face a lot on social media just because they're not on. They're not present on there. Uh, the person that actually straightened out the uh, the rumor 
was actually Exit's manager, uh, Stephen Rifkin, who's a legendary um, person in the industry who started Loud Records back in the day in the 90s. For people don't, who know Loud Records, you know, Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, Mob Deep, et cetera. Uh, he's the one that put out the statement that said, like, hey, X has not passed away. He's still, you know, alive in the hospital. Uh, so he set the record straight, and he spoke on behalf of the family. Yeah. So, um, well, there's yeah. that at least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is just uh one of those what the hell Twitter moments that it's just a really big black eye on the uh on the hip hop community because it was it was a hip hop community who took it around with it, you know, ultimately, and it kind of just you know became a wildfire from there. Mm-hmm. So what the hell Twitter? Get mm-hmm. maldito tweeted. Coming up next, what we have is our uh, beloved section uh, segment. At least it's uh, one of my favorites. We have unpopular opinion next. So my unpopular opinion this week, human beings, uh, is food scented candles are for masochistic maniacs. And I'm saying that I like a good scented thing as much as the next person. You know, a little bit of pine, a little bit of fresh linen, a little bit of, you know, like cedar and, you know, warm forest smells. I'm down with that. That's all good. Amber, whatever. Okay. But don't you dare come at me in the same household with a candle that smells like vanilla, that a candle that smells or like a spray or even one of those glad spray Febreze things that smells like oatmeal cookie, like Heaven forbid you come anywhere near me with a candle that smells like a sugar cookie during Christmas. Because why, to this very day, I just don't understand human beings that like food-scented things at all. At all. Can you explain why? Because I don't like, okay, I don't like food-scented, stop looking at me that way, Ricardo. I'm looking at you this way. I don't like food-scented candles or delicious-scented candles Uh for the same reason that I don't like coconut-smelling shampoos. And it's because if I have to smell it, but I can't eat it, like, that pisses me off. So this is Veronica confirming folks that she belongs in a mental institution. No! Why? No, 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 no. Excuse me. No. Why would you smell something? Why would you willingly smell cookies if you can't eat said cookies? Because it like, smells why good. Why would that? No. Because it smells good. No. Why would you walk around your living room and smell oatmeal cookies and not be able to eat the oatmeal cookies? Like, doesn't that piss you off? No, because not like, everybody wants to eat oatmeal cookies at the smell of it. That doesn't make any sense. Of you, course you would want to eat cookies at the smell of them. That's the whole point of smelling the cookies. The old fact, I'll have you know that science says that the all our olfactory senses, our senses of smells, are the biggest, uh, are like the sharpest senses of, uh, are the sharpest senses that we have in the sense that it's most um, intricately tied to our memories. So if I smell something, it's going to make me remember or think of the thing like, I'm not going to, like, nobody in the right mind would think of, like, making a Febreze that is, like, chicken pot pie centered or, you know, or pepperoni pizza, like, smelled. Like, why? Because only maniacs would think of doing something like that, okay? And it's not that much different with cookies and pies and it's pumpkin. Not. No, it, it is. It's not that much different than, like, strawberry scented or, like, blueberry. No, exactly. Why would you do that? 
Like, do you want to do you want to eat a strawberry when you smell that artificial strawberry smell? Well, no, because it's artificial. Like, it doesn't actually smell like all the real strawberry. All this other stuff artificial. No, like that. Some some of these candles actually smell like a cookie. Yes, but the cook. Yes, but it's still artificial okay. at the end and, of the day. Uh, and in that moment when I'm over there and I sm- if I walk in and I smell freshly baked cookies and there's no freshly baked cookies to be had, then you have a problem. Yes, we're going to have a problem. No, you have the, the, I said no, you have no, the problem. No, no, no. We're going to have a problem, Ricardo Mexicano. If you come into this apartment, you light an oatmeal-scented candle, and I come in, and I'm going to be like, oh, Ricardo, you baked cookies. And I turn around, and it is just a wick, a single wick with a single flame on there. There is going to be hell to pay. Yeah, there's going to be hell to pay for me because I'm going to tell you, like, get the hell out of here. No. Who do you think you are expecting something from me? No. No, you, you have no right to expect cookies from me. Why? Why not? Okay. No. All right. See, now we're getting, like, way off topic. Basically, at the end of the day, that people Nobody. Are- I'm, I'm saying, like, no, but not just me. I'm saying, like, like, you have no right to go inside somebody's house and be like, hey, I smell this. You should have it for me. Yes. <laughs> no, you don't. Or at the very least, they should have, like, yeah, why does that not make sense to people? Like, because some wh- people want their health to smell a certain way and they like to smell. No, and that's, no, that's no, it. no, no, it's no, as simple no, as that. no. How do you smell something and not want to eat it? I don't understand that. Like, don't get me wrong. There like, are doesn't certain- the smell of, like, pizza just make your mouth water? No, I get it. I get why you would want to eat it if you smell it. Uh-huh. I just don't think that you need to have it then and there. Yes. Because that's I, what you're saying to me. You yes. want it then and there. I'm just like, okay, then go get it. If you want well, it no, that bad. Well, no, then I don't want to smell it if I can't have it. Because well, you're going to smell it and you can go get it if you really want it that bad. No, because then it's just sitting there. Ta- you remember uh, taunting me. You remember those. I don't understand why this is such a foreign concept to you, Mexicano. You remember those old cartoons like Tom and Jerry and Bugs Bunny and things like that. Whenever, you know, pe- someone would put out like a cartoon pie on a windowsill or something like that. And then it, the smell would take this figure of like this hourglass lady or whatever. And it would ha- like, it would like waft to, I don't know, like Tom or Sylvester or whoever the heck. Yeah. And they would like it would like hug and get all like cozy up with their nose yeah, and like and it would inv- kiss them. yes it would it would kiss their nostrils okay that is an action that is an accurate depiction of what those food scented candles are doing to my schnoz to my Mexican schnoz every time. Every time someone lights it up and there is no cookies to be had. Yeah, but there's cartoon food in the cartoons, so they're gonna get it. Well, ultimately, exactly. Well, I, ex- they don't I'm just saying, if there's no real life cookies out here, after somebody lights a cookie candle, there's gonna be hell to pay. Then go get the cookie. It's not gonna be fresh baked. It's not gonna be that cookie. That person does not owe you any cookies. Is what that I'm saying. That is my unpopular opinion, and I'm sticking to that it. Person, so, what's your unpopular opinion? That person, nobody owes you any cookies if you happen to smell something you like at the end of the day. That's all I'm saying. I feel like it's cruel and unusual punishment. It's like, really not. In fact, in, like if the government ever needed to take any information out of me, instead of waterboarding me, just light up a bunch of like dessert-scented candles. Just light up like 30 inside a room uh-huh. and just watch it go insane? Yeah, just like light up a bunch of pumpkin pie-scented candles, but d- let there be no pie. Like I'll give you any government intel you want to know. Like what, that's it. What government intel do you have? I d- whatever. <laughs> what is your... <laughs> Ultimately, your- ultimately, Veronica's the one with the problem, folks. No, Y'all whatever. Are- if you okay, enjoy- you bunch of masochists. <laughs> I, I, I just... Uh, okay, so yeah. Unpopular so mo- opinion, Ricardo, go. So moving on to mine. Uh, my unpopular opinion is something that um, I spoke about before we started uh, actually recording. Actually, no, we were recording a little bit of it, uh, but not on the main 
uh, podcast, and if that is, I think you're that, insane for this. That the Black Panther uh, movie starring Chadwick Boseman, no R.I.P., is not that good of a movie. Explain. I think it's very average uh, as far as uh, superhero movies go. I think it's uh, I, I I can I always put forth first and foremost. I appreciate the impact. I appreciate the little kids who like Chadwick Boseman as you know what he represents as the Black Panther, as a as a uh, as a black man, and as a that, hero, as a king, as that, a that, prince. Yeah, king, yeah, King T'Challa. You know, mm-hmm. I appreciate the memes. Is this your king? Like, I appreciate all that. Like, but the movie itself, you know, just based on that movie, it's really not that good. It's just very the the story of between like T'Challa and and Killmonger. And him being like this mercenary and like it tying it back to their childhood and their dad, you know, coming to visit them like like uh, uh, King T'Challa and his brother coming and like, you know, leaving the little Killmonger there. And then he grows up to be this guy who despises the people of uh, Wakanda. It just seemed very formulaic, um, you know. Of well, him- what kind of superhero movie isn't formulaic on some level, Ricardo? I mean, they obviously have a source material and they're going mm-hmm. off the source material. So I so. Obviously, there's already a story there that you can base it on. I just don't think it was well executed. I just think that it because of the because of the hype and what this movie represented, I think it got put on this pedestal of it being one of the better Marvel movies. At, that when you really, if you can take away that hype, if you can take away the sentimentality the of sentimentality it, of like what it represents, and, and Chadwick Boseman and Chadwick Boseman passing, of course, and like after him passing, now mm-hmm. it's even like harder to criticize it, this movie. Yeah, um, uh, you told me that you're yeah. afraid that you're gonna get canceled because yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, like I so. But you have to like actually be on air to be canceled. Yeah, like, exactly. Just so you know, like, like, and I, and I and I've expressed this like offline that like I think that Black Panther's not that good a movie. Like, I, I mean, some people have harder takes than me. Some people call it outright, like, you know, boo-boo. Uh, I just think it's not that. <laughs> I just don't think it's that good. I give it, like, a 70. If I were to rate it, it's, like, a 70, 73. Like a 7 maybe out of 10, se- 10 C, C to C plus, mm. you know? Cool movie. I don't think it's better than Winter Soldier, though. Obviously not better than Infinity War or Endgame. Not better than Ragnarok. Um, really? Isn't better. that, like... Like I, I don't know the much Thor about comedy superhero. one. The, yeah, and then yeah. like a comedy yeah. one or something. So and you good. think that one is better it's than a Black way better Panther? Movie. Yeah, it's a way better movie. Whatever, homie. Yeah, yeah it's a way better movie than Black I Panther. I mean, like I said, I can't really have a take on this one way or the other because apparently my top three favorite superhero movies are like the worst movies of all time. They're not the worst movies of all time. I just said within the cinematic universe, they're I don't think they're that good. Whatever, homie. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like we should, uh, if we had lines, we should go ahead and open them up and let people roast you, you know, till kingdom come for this. So, <laughs> raw time. time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I think they're, I think they're still working on number two, because I know that they, they were filming. They had, I think they they filmed um, what they could with Chadwick before his untimely passing. Um. So I think the number two is still in. I think it may still be in the works. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that, because you know the uh, the 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 Infinity um, phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ended, so they're moving on to the next phase. Uh, so I think there may be a Black Panther two still, but I haven't seen any news about it recently. I, I need to, I need to check up and see what's going on with it, mm-hmm. and see if it's been put on like you know development hell or something like that. I don't know. 
But yeah, I don't think Black Panther is that good. If y'all love it, more power to you. You know, Chadwick Boseman is a legend. Respect that man. I think I think he did great in the movie. I think I I have no no criticism about him. Um, I think he he did very well. I just think it could have been better, and that's it. That's your unpopular opinion. Yeah. All right. What we have next, speaking of movies, is uh, the one beloved G L O. So, what's that stand for, Ricardo? Uh, getting loitered often. Yes, or also it means good looking out. This is a segment where we tell you the movies, the TV shows, all of that that we've been into. Um, actually, uh, in my case, um, I am uh, choosing this week to do a short film. So my good looking out for this week, my glow is a short film by the name of Two Distant Strangers. This is a short film that's on Netflix. It stars Joey Badass and it's created by, uh, Trayvon Free and, um, I can say so many different things about this film, but um, just to start off, obviously it's uh, Oscar nominated. Uh, it's Oscar nominated. It's literally 28 minutes long. And so imagine human beings doing life over and over and over again, just like in Groundhog Day. But instead of being Bill Murray in Philadelphia, you are Carter who, again, is played by Joey Badass, a black man living in New York that keeps having the same run-in with the same cop over and over and over. And all you're doing is trying to go home to feed your dog, who, by the way, is like this precious uh, pit bull in the movie. I know that's beside the point, but oh my gosh, he was cute. So I know uh, that there's going to be some of you out there that are thinking, just like I thought when I first saw the trailer, that I've seen this plot so many times before, you know, not just in Groundhog Day, but more recently in movies like Palm Springs. And I'm here to tell you that Palm Springs ain't got nothing on this film with its desert scene looking ass. So um, there's so many interesting things about this short film, most notably how much it can make you feel in 28 minutes. Um, there's some films that can't make me feel that much in two hours. So with Two Distant Strangers um, being up for Best Short Film in this year's 2021 Oscars, I can just tell you that this short film is charming and scary. It's funny and scary. It's clever and scary. It's infuriating and scary. And it's it, it basically it goes through obviously because it's like Groundhog Day. It's a cycle. It goes through a cycle that keeps getting repeated no matter what Carter, the main character, does to try to stop it. And in a very real way, this is every black man's Groundhog Day. Um, and of course, all of this is, uh, all of the movie is done in a way that weaves charm and trauma together, as weird as that sounds. Um, but basically, when this film ends, you're going to be exhausted and tired and confused, but you're also going to be vigilant. Because... At the end of the day, we all want to get home to our loved ones or in Carter's case, you know, get home to his dogs. So Two Distant Strangers on Netflix. My opinion, it's an easy 10 out of 10 Veronica stars. Go watch it. It's exceptional. Sounds great. Mm -hmm. So moving on to mine. Yes. 
So my thing is the latest uh, documentary put out by HBO, uh, HBO Max. It's uh, based on the whole QAnon phenomenon that mm. happened uh, from pretty much the the inception of, of Trump, bec- Trump becoming president to, you know, what happened um, with the most recent election, which is, you know, Trump losing and Biden winning. And for those who don't know QAnon, it, um, it, it's, it's this person or persons, people. Yeah, because I had no idea what any of this was until you started watching it here in the living room. Right. I had um. I hadn't been I hadn't been like super close into like delving into like the lore and like figuring out like what was going on. Like I had heard like things that had like risen because of it. So like Pizzagate and you know the cabal and like drinking children's blood and all this craziness, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of like you know came out of this QAnon. But what what QAnon was was this uh this this person or this group of people that were putting out these things called drops you know they were pretty much posting these very elaborate almost cryptic posts that was kind of giving like some some insight some detail into like the higher-ups of government you know into the the quote-unquote what they like to call the elites the ones that are really running the show and like what they do and like the shadows and like the evil that they do like you know i.e epstein you know you know, taking children, you know, small children to the island and doing God knows what, you know, well, we kind of, we kind of know what happened, but this was happening at, at a, at a point where not a lot of people had ever delved, have ever seen somebody putting that much knowledge or not, I want to say knowledge, but just a lot of insight into like what was going on and people, you know, took it and ran with it and they, and, and they created this whole community online of like these people who were like, oh, I know the truth, you know, I know uh, what's really going on in the government. Like it, it brought conspiracy theories to like. It brought them all t- closer together. C- brought them all closer together, but also like brought conspiracy theories almost to like this mainstream level, to where people like Alex Jones, uh, who had been like a very uh, prominent person on the internet due to Infowars and like his pushing of, of like certain conspiracy theories of like the globalists, the elites. And what they do in the world and how they run the world, you know, the Rothschilds and all the craziness, Illuminati. You, if you know anything about conspiracy, you've heard of these terms uh, once or twice, I'm sure. Uh, but it really set um, things on fire, especially when 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 people were convinced that this person was very close to Trump, and that this person knew things that the average the average Joe just didn't, mm-hmm. and they 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 waited for these drops like it was like the gospel. Like, they, they couldn't get enough of it. So much so that tragedy started happening, uh, you know, behind these uh, these posts. You know, whether it be the, the Christchurch shooting in in, uh, in in New Zealand, you know, at the mosque. Or the, the Walmart shooting in, uh, in El Paso. You so know, this is what the documentary covers? Uh, yes. They, I mean, they cover so much. They cover, like, the tragedy that happened. They cover, like, who the who Q might actually How be. How many episodes are there? Four. No, no, no. Six. Mm-hmm. Six episodes in total. There's six episodes in total, and they go through. Like I said, they go through a, a variety of like, of uh, of subjects. You know, from like who they think you might be to how where they were posting. You know, the 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 drops. You know, it went from like 4chan to Reddit to 8chan, uh, which eventually became 8coon. Like and like the founders of that and how they kind of tie into it. And it's just this huge, you know. Always sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie with like a thousand sticky notes on the wall with like the strings 
all drawn to one another and like creating like this elaborate like you know it's right here it's right here i know the truth kind of thing like like i said i've always been very interested in like you know just how insane some people can be and like and like me myself always be interested in, the, in i've always been interested in like conspiracy because theories you feel uh, a kinship towards them that's why not a kinship it's just <laughs> i would never say a kinship no not to the q to the q far hell no mm-hmm. no 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 but I, it's just interesting to see how, like I said, it, it, it was very interesting to see how mainstream a, a, a conspiracy, because all this is conspiracy theories at the end of the day. Some people want to twist and call something that they're conspiracy theories at the end of the day. And people, just how, how it rose to like the highest levels of the office where like people were asking the president at press conferences, like, do you know who Q is? Like, this is insane. Like, like the president actually answering questions about a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. and just seeing like bro like like conspiracy theories are mainstream now like this is insane like you never thought that 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 the day would come where government yeah, and officials now that, and now they've sort of taken on this a weird form of mainstream also mainstream entertainment you yeah know? yeah for sure because i mean it, it's it, it's a double-edged sword because while it may be mainstream now and now those who have like always been like in the shadows like i knew stuff like this was going on and nobody believed them they feel left out but it's also like now there's more crazy than ever's. There's more people that are looked at as crazy because they subscribe to like a a, a conspiracy theory that maybe that maybe not be all that crazy, you know, because it's very subjective. Um, but there may be some more validity to what somebody believes over something else, and because QAnon is such this insane concept that anybody who subscribes to so-called conspiracy theories could be looked at as uncredible. You know, when they may have something, you know, kind of like uh, Snowden and, you know, and uh, Julian Assange. But you that's know, what they want you to think, though. They want you to think that, like, QAnon, this QAnon guy is some, like, underdog trying to, like, expose the truth. Yeah, I mean, just that. But they also but but they also don't shy away from, from them letting you know that there are they are somebody very high as well. Like, high up there. So that's it, what they want you to think. It could be some random old dude in the basement. Like, you yeah, don't know. I mean, and, the, and, the, and the series does point towards that, where it's like, you guys think it's like this high official, but it really could be this guy right here. You know, and I'm not going to spoil it, but if y'all are interested, definitely check it out. How many really kind of those t- stars does it get? Oh, uh, I'll give it four. Four out of five. <laughs> you trip me out with your math. Four out of five. Why? Because I do. Because I do uh, out of ten sometimes. Yeah, because I, I never know if you're. Because when you start to say four, I don't know if you're gonna go four out of ten or four out of five. It's four out of five. I guess. Yeah, it's four out of five. I, I sw- stick I, with I, one metric. I Mexicano. switch between the five and the ten metric. I know. I hate that. Depending how I'm feeling. <laughs> but that's it. Uh, HBO Max. Uh, QAnon into the storm. That's the full name. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and with that. Human beings, mi gente, it has been in Living Spanglish. Thanks so much for uh, sticking out and hanging out with us. And we will see you next week. We out. Oh, 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 oh.